0: Welcome to Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction@outlook.com. at outlook.com. Here's your hosts, Dan
1: and Danny. Okay, welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. And I'm Dan. And we're here at the kitchen table once again.
2: Well, we have a guest. A very interesting guest, and she and I have been talking on Facebook uh, Messenger for quite a long time. She loves to talk, and she's very passionate about uh, what she what she's uh, investigating and very knowledgeable about... Uh, Tons of really cool things and something something that we've never touched on before. But we'd like to welcome Robin Moonshadow to the podcast. Hi, Robin.
0: Hello, how are you tonight?
2: We're good, we're good.
0: Well, thank now, you for inviting me on.
2: Now, Robin, how would you describe what you do?
0: I'm a cryptozoologist with a really heavy interest in what is now being called homotology. That involves the study of relics. Uh, hominids, meaning proto-pygmies or little people and also giants. proto pygmies Proto-pygmies, little people.
2: All right. Now we're not talking, uh, like real people, like, like little people, dwarfs, like with dwarfism. We're talking about little people in the forest, right?
0: That's correct.
2: What would you classify them as? I, I mean, from what you and I have been talking about, there's, there's lots of different species out there.
0: They are the relic populations of little people. I mean, that they're hairy little people, like, and what we have here in Canada and the uh, surrounding U.S. is the Maymegoessing, and they're he- uh, hairy little people. And then we have uh, gnomes, of course. Gnomes is a very big family. I mean, you wouldn't even think some of these were gnomes. Leprechauns are gnomes. Uh, clericons are gnomes. Red caps. Uh, and of course, and there's trolls, and I do have a, a couple of things on trolls, uh, the small elves, and uh, little native people.
1: So you're telling me that all those stories that we learned when we were children uh, were probably based on true events.
0: Yes. <laughs> now, these little guys are, that they are considered fairies in fairy tales, but these guys... These are proto-pygmies. They're no taller than three feet, and of course, they don't have wings. And that is how you separate the fairies from the little people. Uh, The name proto-pygmies was first coined by uh, Ivan T. Sanders. Uh, These are worldwide. Wherever we are, they are.
1: And they're actually, when you see them, they're human? They're not a spirit, or are they a spirit?
0: Some people consider them to be spirits. It depends on uh, what you believe, what your religion is, or what your belief system is.
2: What about the elemental aspect of them?
0: Yes, some people believe that they are elementals as well. But again, that that comes back to what your belief system is and what you were brought up with.
1: What do you
2: believe? uh,
0: I believe that they're flesh and blood, just like we are. Okay. Well, magic is just another science we don't yet understand.
1: They have their own villages, uh, mostly living
0: in forests and stuff. Well, 98% of the little people live underground, and the first settlers started coming to Canada and America, they saw them as uh, imps and demons and started shooting at them, and even the ones that would coexist with, with First Nations just said, we've had enough of this, and these people are, you know, they're dangerous, and, you know, we're leaving. They are still seen all the time. Uh, I saw one when I was nine years old. What type of uh,
2: little person did you see?
0: Well, he had a green tone to his skin, and at nine years old, we thought he was a troll. And then, you know, years later, doing all this, this investigating and research, I find out he was a very rare one, and he was called uh, a Naomi. He had a green tint to his skin, and he looked pretty much like anybody else. I mean, he had a, a big nose, and he had bigger hands but uh uh, i saw him three times that one summer but i never saw him again my cousins were aware that he was there because he would come out and steal their their candy or pot that was left on the floor the last time i saw him he was peeking around at the side of the house at us kids playing with a dog and it scared my other cousins so bad he went crying to his mother
1: so you're nine years old when this happens. Is this what spawned you to say, I've got to look more into this? Uh, is, was that the first?
0: Uh, well, my interest in these started when I was about five years old. And that's when I started reading about the Loch Ness Monster and other cryptids. Um, I'm First Nations. I'm, I'm Métis. So all these things that we were always told, uh, that was just normal for me. Let's say with, with Bigfoot. Uh, I had no doubt in my mind that he was real. And as for little people, yes, we knew about them, too. I would never expect to see one. And as a matter of fact, when I told my mother that, you know, about the little person at my aunt and uncle's house, she didn't believe me.
1: <laughs>
0: so I, yeah, I'm like, come on, Mom, you know, you know, and I'm like, you call my cousins and they'll tell you. Like, my aunt believed me. She was aware that he was there. Come on, Mom, believe this stuff.
1: Something that some people see and some don't?
0: Well, we know that uh, when it comes to most of the little people, like the good little people, they will let you see them if they want you to see them. If they have a feeling if you were a good person or a bad person, but they love kids. And as a matter of fact, uh, they're the ones in the uh, in Alaska. It is said that if you mistreat your children and abuse them, they will come and take them away.
1: Is that right? Well, hmm.
0: As a collective, they are called the Urchin Rack, and that's, uh, uh, they're composed of seven different types. Uh, there's ones that look kind of like goblins, like golem from Lord of the Rings, and they're not very nice. And then there's the ones that look like little Eskimos, and I get a lot of reports on those. Uh, one woman was coming home from Bingo one night with her sister, and she saw one of these getting water from a tap from the side of the building. Uh, he was dressed in seal, uh, seal skin and fur, and uh, carrying water in a jug. And I mean, we've also been seen spear fishing and net fishing. And they're about three feet tall, but they look just like the little Eskimos.
2: Why do you think, like, if there's so many uh, of them, there's so many species? Why don't we have more people reporting it, like we do uh, with uh, Bigfoot or UFOs?
0: Well, with with the little people, it it, it tends to go back to the Christianized version of these little people don't exist because they're devils and imps, and we're told, well, if you see little people, well, you're crazy, so we're not going to talk about them. Or, yeah, you just saw a little imp for a devil, don't tell nobody, just ignore it.
2: Now, you and I have spoken uh, about the one that I saw, uh, and Mm -hmm. and just for some of the listeners who may have missed that podcast uh, when I have spoken about it, uh, I was driving north on highway twenty five between Milton and Acton, and saw a little man, maybe about a foot and a half tall, uh, in standing in the ferns in the ditch. Uh, it was beautiful summer day, sunny, and he was wearing uh, a deerskinned vest. He had like squirrel fur sleeves, had a walking stick, and he looked very Eastern European. To me, very rugged looking. Uh, and if you're if you're familiar with that, uh, who uh, Jeff Dunham is, you know the ventriloquist Jeff Dunham. He's got uh, he uh, looks, Walter. Walter. He looks just like yep. he looked just like that. And I and I drew a picture and I sent it to you. And yep. you had asked me if he could have had uh, native Canadian features as well. And the more I thought about it, you know, you're Eastern Europeans, and uh, you know. First Nations people and, and uh, Native Americans, they do have some similar features like the bones in their face mm-hmm. and and everything else. So he, he could have been. What do you think that might have been?
0: Uh, from what we talked about what you first described, I think what you probably would have saw if he wasn't First Nations was a brownie of gnome. He right. just does not have beard. Because we always picture gnomes as having beards, you know.
2: Right. Uh, the guys with the, the tall red hats beard. and stuff.
0: Yeah, but they don't all dress like that. With with gnomes, they're very traditional and they dress in clan colors. Brownies are very rugged little people. And if they're in your home, uh, they'll help keep your your house clean. This is what the legends tell us, is that they'll help keep you. You may offer them food, but don't offer them clothes because you'll anger them. And all little people have a terrible temper.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're familiar with uh jamie nightingale too right
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah we've had yeah. him on the podcast and uh he talked about his bigfoot encounters and his little person encounter and uh he had run into uh a little person and he described him pretty much exact same as yeah. the fellow that i saw but his guy had like a like a robin hood archer's cap on and when yeah. when jamie stumbled upon him like he went nuts, like snarling and thrashing and just like a cornered cat almost. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, would that yeah. have been the same species, you think, a brownie?
0: Probably. Brownies aren't very traditional in what they wear.
2: They're okay. like
0: the bachelors of a gnome family. Uh, I think the, the little guy freaked out because Jamie saw him and he got mad. Right. Another example of the temper. Uh, yeah, actually, Jamie and I went squatching um, two years ago. I took him up to Algonquin Park with me to do some squatching up there. Right. Yeah, he contacted me through a friend of ours to tell me about his little people encounters. So,
2: yeah. Now, okay, what's a puckwood? <laughs> a one?
0: horrible little beans. They have a gray tone to their skin. They have a bulbous or pointed nose. Um, and they are the, the worst of the worst. Uh, they, they, they come from uh, the Pennsylvania area. We have them in here, too. And, and they've always been this way. They have always been naughty. It, uh, the story goes with uh, Moshap the giant and, and his wife, who was actually a, one of our hairy little people a May the Pothwudgies was once upon a time, they were helpful but they kept getting in the way and they were a nuisance and they became jealous uh, of Moshap because the First Nations people loved him so much. So one day while Moshap was gone away on a, a fishing trip they decided to just start causing trouble because out of jealousy and hatred. So they they started attacking the First Nations people, and they went to uh, Mochap's wife for help, and she did, and she went and, and got him and together. And some stories say it was uh, uh, the two of them and their three sons, and some stories say it was just the two of them together that rid the area uh, of... The pup, well, now, him being a giant, you know, he, throw, he threw them all over the place, and that's why we have them around the Great Lakes here and, and all throughout our area. Luckily, I've never even seen tracks, but uh, some of them came back, and these are the worst of the worst. And they started kidnapping the people, the First Nations people, and, you know, carting them off. And in some stories, these little guys trapped Mo Shop the giant and, you know, killed him with poison arrows, and other stories say it was Moshap and his sons. Some say it was just Moshap or just his sons, but uh, Moshap was so devastated by the loss of his sons, he just went away and didn't come back, and uh, Granny Granny Squint, who was his wife or Squint, uh, went back to her people and lived underground, and she's one of our hairy little people, the Memega Westing, of which I sent you the picture of. Yeah, the hairy little people are often mistaken for juvenile Bigfoot because they are mm. three feet tall, they're hairy, they're, they're very ugly little people, but they're pretty cool as long as you don't make them mad and you have to be very respectful of them. Of which I am, because uh, the picture was taken in my uh, research areas. I leave granola
1: bars for them mm. as a peace off. Whereabouts are you located?
0: I'm right in between Kingston, mm. Ontario, and Ottawa. Well, what would I specialize in? Bigfoot and, and little people, but I do all cryptids except for dogs. <laughs> and as I've explained earlier, um, mm-hmm. my First name people are Chiricahua Apache from America. And we have a big legend about skinwalkers, and we have ties to that tradition, and we're not even supposed to talk about them because... Mm-hmm. Jim Walker's dog, meant that brings them to your presence. And, 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 you know, I was kind of always iffy about that. Well, am I might not hurt to talk about them, though no, I, I, they're bad omen for us. But I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> Last year when I was in the Smoky Mountains in America with my uh, American squatching partner, we were talking about them. And I'm thinking, okay, we're, well, we're not going to talk about them because we're out here and there's sightings. We're just going to drop it. And it was less than 30 minutes, and I was taking pictures and uh didn't think anything else about it because it well, if I feel something is around, if I'm being watched, I'll just start taking pictures. You don't know what you're going to get, and you're not out anything if you don't. So when I was on my way home, I'm going looking through these pictures on my phone on the plane, and what I got near a tree was about six feet tall, and, and he had some, some like war paint on, it was white. And in the next picture, uh, there's nothing there, and I knew it was a dog man because it was just a very—I'd gotten a picture of a predator, and I'm like, that's it. There'll be no more talking about dog man when I'm out in the woods watching and hobbiting again. <laughs> so,
2: mm-hmm. so
0: that's the end of that.
2: Right. Can I ask one question though? I mean, yeah. you told me not to bring oh, it up oh, earlier, oh, no. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> but you did anyway. Do. Bigfoot and dogmen coexist and get along?
0: Uh, from what I find, they do not get along. They keep out of each other's territory.
2: Okay, who'd win in a fight?
0: <laughs> uh, Bigfoot, I do believe, All right, that Bigfoot would win.
2: But have... Bigfoot occupy the same territory. Okay, I had to ask that goofy question. Would you
1: like to hear uh, uh, maybe a story of uh, Bigfoot that you might have experienced?
0: Oh, I have several. <laughs> uh, I do my research here in Canada. And mostly in Ontario, and, and I go to America. I've been to Pennsylvania, uh, New York State, and I do a lot of, of my Bigfoot and hobbying, that's little people research, in the Carolinas because it's just loaded down there. Well, I saw my first Bigfoot when I was 13 years old. He was the typical, very typical black patty type. I was uh, on my parents' farm, and it was getting around 5 o'clock or so, and I was coming back to my parents' house, and I had climbed through the barbed wire fence and got my socks tangled in the barb. And when I turned to un- unhook it, there he was standing right beside a tree. He was six feet tall. And, of course, he looked like a male version of Patty. And I just stared at him. And time just seemed to slow right down because I'm just amazed at what I looked at. I'm Like I said, I always knew that they were real, but I didn't think I would see one. Mm-hmm. So... I got a good look. It's it's forever in my mind. Uh, I mean, he had brown eyes. He had the flat nose. He was so atypical uh, of the the typical black Sasquatch. I mean, he even had flat fingernails.
2: How tall do you think he was?
0: About six foot.
2: Oh, so not very tall.
0: Uh, That's kind of typical for around this area being this six foot.
2: we got the smaller Sasquatches in Ontario, do we? Or in your area?
0: Oh, we've got even bigger ones here than that.
2: I'll bet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I stared at him and actually what kind of snapped me back to it was he had scratched himself like on his leg and then I, I could hear my heart beating in my ears and it scared me so bad that I took off and I didn't go into the woods for two weeks, you know, and I told my mother and we went to look, of course, it's been two weeks and there wasn't any tracks or anything, but it, it you know, I was regretted it, but it did scare the heck out of me, like How long, uh, you know, I've been in the woods like all day. How how long had he been watching me or following me?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: If I run around, I wouldn't even have known he was there.
2: We hear that from uh, a lot of people and, you know, talking to Bigfoot researchers or Bigfoot sighters, you know, they'll literally walk by this nine foot tall, 600 pound creature and they don't even see him. And then they turn around. You know, and then there's this clearing that they just walk through and he's standing right there, whether he's like the world's greatest ninja <laughs> or he's, you know, there's that paranormal aspect to him where he can, you know, turn himself invisible, which some people believe as well because they, they believe they can c- control their vibrational rate and, and disappear, so to speak.
0: When I was in my early 30s was my second Bigfoot encounter and I was with my brother and sister. They're older than me and we were down on our local mountain. And uh, from across the creek, like, I was on a bit of a hill, and the creek was below. And so from across that creek, this ginger-colored sasquatch came out. And it had longer hair, and it was more of an orangutan-like. Mm-hmm. Even face was a bit different. And he had longer arms. But his hair was about this long.
2: So, like, 10 inches? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. like Like, maybe about 6 inches long. And this was a smaller one. And I always wondered... I did find out later, that, was that a juvenile or is this just a smaller Bigfoot? But, right, I, until then, I'm thinking all Bigfoots are like Patty, but so this was awesome and a surprise. So he came down and he scooped water into his mouth. He was getting a drink and he darted off into the woods. And I'm trying to call my brother and sister over without making a whole lot of noise. But And all they caught was it running through the reeds. Uh, and about uh, 10 years later, my brother saw this, either the same one or the same kind, and he was about six feet tall. And he was, as my brother says, uh, he was leaning against the tree with the knee up, trying so hard not to move, but he would lean ahead a little bit and kind of peek around to see if my brother saw him. But the only other ginger-colored squash that, that I am even aware of, <clears throat> and it's one of the few, very few videos that I believe are real, is it was taken in British Columbia a few years ago, where the family is just walking along the beach and it's in the winter and the Bigfoot just stands up and walks off into the woods.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's got the whole Bigfoot walk that that nobody can copy and the shoulders kind of linky a little bit. So, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of like what I saw, but just a whole lot bigger.
1: So you're into cryptology. Do you think there is um, many different kinds of species that we don't know about? Oh, yeah. There's
0: thousands. I mean, there's thousands of new species found every day of mm-hmm. uh, um, just common things. Uh, uh, bugs, even. I mean, last year they just identified a uh, new orangutan in Sumatra.
1: Uh, do you do this as a profession as well?
0: Yeah, I do this full time.
1: Is that right? Well... Wow.
0: Yeah, I do this. I run my own business. I write a blog and I share my videos. And of course, I, I have a Facebook page to keep everybody informed.
1: Well, we'll have to share that a little later on. We want to talk to you a little bit more. Always curious about the little hominids, the little little people. And you say there's many different kinds of species. Now, I didn't have a personal experience, but an experience with some people that lived in Newfoundland, and they told me that when they were kids, they used to go out into the forest and play. It was sort of their their backyard uh, type of thing, and they used to look for the fairies, and they used to play with the fairies. Um, so, any truth to this, you think? Or? Oh, absolutely. The little
0: people love kids, mm-hmm. and if they, they trust kids enough, they will come out and play with them. Uh, Nova Scotia and Newfoundland are, are very open to, to things like this, and little people. Uh, there was a story that I would gotten, it was an old story, and it was passed down to me that came from the 1800s, that there were some female little people that weren't fairies. They were playing music, and they had gotten the men to dancing. And the women had wondered where they had gotten to. So they went out to see, and they saw the men dancing with these little female people. And they had to go back to the house and get cold buckets of water to throw on the men to break them up of this dancing that they were doing. So, yeah, I absolutely believe it.
1: Yeah, they, were, uh, they, they told me that they used to play with them, and they used to bring them, like, candies and stuff. Was there
2: something about a bell? too? When they rang the bell, the fairies all disappeared and that was their time to leave?
1: Yeah, there was all... uh, They just said that they would be playing with them and and then uh, they would hear this bell and then the fairies would disperse, right? So almost like their call for supper, maybe. I don't know what it was, but... (laughs) Maybe. Go back
2: to their dimension. Yeah,
0: it's time to tell them to get lost, yeah.
2: Yeah. Do you think any of them are interdimensional?
0: I'd like to say no because uh, all my research just says that they're very fast because they're low to the ground. So... Their uh, speed is different than ours, and their locomotion is ours. Uh, when I was in the Smoky Mountains, I saw them. I saw three native little people, but I didn't catch them on the on the GoPro. You can see the grass moving, but you can't see them. Although I was able to see them with the naked eye.
1: Yeah, the, these people had said that they had wings. And they could fly a little, just a little bit to get them off the ground, but they weren't, like, flying all over the place.
0: i how people would see that because they move so fast. Even I was amazed. I'm, I was so certain that I had got them on my GoPro. Yeah. And, and I went over the footage. It was just grass moving. If, if they're little tiny, they get wings. That's fairy. Right. So anything ab- above uh, a foot to three feet is a protopygmy.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Have you ever seen uh, the skeleton that they found in uh, the Peruvian mountains? It's well, like,
0: it's, I know that there's the two of them that archaeologists found, and it was Homo floriensis, also called the Hobbit, because while well, the movie was big at the time, he was found. Uh, and the locals called them Gogo and they ate kids. No, I, they I heard they were the really nasty. And all, and those little guys are. Mm-hmm. Okay. They chased them all into a cave and burned them alive because they were eating kids. told the archaeologists that this cave that the bones were found in is where they stayed. We didn't call them like Homo Ibo Gogo, but of course, the hobbit works too. And then uh, then we have Homo Luzon that was introduced to us last year that was found in the Philippines. And the locals call those little guys, Uh, I'll get this straight, I'm getting ahead of myself, Uh, the bones were found in the Philippines. And introduced to us last year, the locals call them duundi. And there are two types of those duundis. There are the little mischief makers, and then there are the happy little ones that actually help people. And they say some of them live in trees, and they're not monkeys. Uh, what the bones tell us is they got a, uh, a toe joint or finger joint that's just a little bit different. So they do have the tree climbing abilities. Uh, we all do but they would just be able to do it a little bit better.
1: Have you ever been across the pond into the UK at all? or?
0: I have not, not yet. That's on my bucket list. They, they have a, gnomes galore down there, and I know uh, a certain case of a troll uh, reaching through a woman's window and grabbing out her buggy. Oh. She just saw that little arm come through the window, and it, it was a green color a little black nails, and it was hairy and quite muscular, and just snatched the bird right out of the cage. So she lived on the ground floor. So there are some nasty ones out there. Yeah, and, and they, they do live under bridges and they stink and they are habitual hoarders. And, you know, they live in old houses and caves and it's very much what we hear about trolls, except they come in, uh, they, they're a green tint. Some of them have a brown tint to their skin, and, you know, or an off white or white. And, and I just see these things as, you know, this camouflage.
1: Would you have any advice for anybody that uh, was walking along and saw a troll? What would you tell them to do?
2: (laughs) Run the other way. The two things
0: that you need to do is, first of all, you need to know what kind you're dealing with, because a lot of them are good little people. And they will help you if they can. They will befriend you, which is a good thing. And some of them, well, let's say the red caps that are the the insane gnomes or the anti-gnomes of what I call them. Uh, and then you got the the wedgies and the other kind of the one days, yeah, you don't want to mess with them at all just ignore them now I've had my names called that this is what they do because they'll pull pranks on you <laughs> but uh, here in one of my research areas when I was changing out a, a camcorder or excuse me, a trail cam I, I heard them enough the, and it was two at the same time the first one they were going Robin hey Robbie <laughs> and I'm like yeah, I don't think so.
1: <laughs>
0: and I wasn't sure. And this is before I, I uh, knew that, that the little hairy person, the Maymay West thing was in my area. Uh, last Thursday, uh, my squatching partner and I had, had rented a, a cottage up in Pisgah. This is in North Carolina. And I was outside of this cottage having a cigarette. And one of them, and, and I don't believe it was a nice one, because it was a little bit too sinister. And he, he was going, hey, Robin. Robin. And I'm just, and I, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you little bugger. Mm-hmm. And I, I just finished, ignored him and finished my cigarette and went in and told my partner. And he's like, well, how would they know your name? i like, because they can hear us from from outside.
2: So they have exceptional oh, really? hearing. Yeah. Maybe he was looking for a cigarette.
0: Maybe. I should have
2: offered him one. <laughs> you should have offered him one. So getting back to uh, Bigfoot, different types like different species.
0: Oh, well, I know of three. See, I'm of the belief that they are a subspecies of Gigantopithecus black eye.
2: When I go on forums and talk to other people, the number four keeps coming up. And they are, they're always saying that there's four different types of uh, Bigfoot. So I wanted to ask you your opinion on that.
0: Well, some of these Dogman sightings come across to me as more of a baboon a Bigfoot. Yeah. And he's, big, he's hairy, and if you don't see his face, you think you're looking at a Bigfoot until you see this, this very baboon-like snout. Right. And, and I'm told they're pretty nasty. I haven't encountered those, uh, but I know some people who have. Uh, now, the ones in Algonquin Park that I actually went up, and, and I've got videos on this, and uh, this is where Jamie and I was. Those guys are big they are eight feet tall they are broad across the shoulders they are huge even you know eight feet is big anyways but these guys are like broad
2: across the shoulders right uh one of our one of our earlier podcasts we um when we had john our our other co-host still on we he uh retold a story of a gentleman who was hiking in algonquin park and was attacked by a female sasquatch and she kept trying to get in his way of getting back to uh the path, the trail to escape. He
0: might have had a baby nearby.
2: Oh, maybe. And uh, she was using like her infrasound on him and he'd lost control of his bowels and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, he never. And this this gentleman was uh, a martial artist. He was an out, outdoorsman. Like he used to go backpacking on his own, camping on his own. And after he had this experience, he, he uh, you know, fled to the city. And he's never gone back to uh, the forest ever again. So it sounded like a very aggressive.
0: Big believer in the infrasound. I think what might happen is you just get such a big rush of adrenaline that it makes you sick.
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: But um, I've never had any kind of thing like that happen. And I've had them follow me enough times that if they wanted to hurt me, they would. Right. But uh, for, for this female, she might have had a baby nearby to do everything and anything she can to get you away from her baby.
2: Just like a black bear would.
1: Uh, with Bigfoot, do you think that they live underground as well, or caves, or where Where are they living?
0: Well, the, the ones here in my, my area, I can tell you, as soon as winter hits in the fall, they're gone. They head south. What I get is reports of them going from Quebec into Vermont. And what's really interesting is that I found a tree marker, and it's a stump, and it has a, another tree that looks like a big log placed on top of it, uh, just was it last October. Now, I hadn't been in that area for a while, so I can't gauge how long it uh, had been there. And then a friend of mine that's in Pennsylvania found one that looked remarkably similar to it about a month after I found it. Now, that that's only Pennsylvania, where his area is, is only about six hours drive time for me. So if they're walking, that would give them plenty of time. So I'm wondering if it's the same group. I get a lot of go-throughs here where I find tracks, and they won't necessarily stay here for any more than a couple of days. There's not enough for them to eat here in my area. And uh, where they head, and I'm probably going to regret saying this, is over to the park near me. What's the, Robin, what's the best
2: physical evidence that you have for the existence of Bigfoot?
0: I've got Bigfoot hair.
2: Right. Now, wow. you, were, you were just at a, a, a Bigfoot conference in the U.S. just recently. Tell us a little bit about that and the uh, hair samples.
0: Uh, yeah, this was the very first Marion Bigfoot conference. And uh, I went down with, uh, with my squatch partner and uh, our friends. Great group of squatchers they are. They all go together or go singularly. And there was some great talks there. It was really good. Marion also has a festival every September, and I was asked to speak about Bigfoot this September, and and I'm happy to do it. Uh, the hair sample I have, well, it, it's just awesome. Uh, my background is animal sciences with a focus on behavior. And so uh, when I got looking at this hair, already, I already know it. it's nothing like I've seen before. Uh, I do believe it is shoulder back hair. So I get looking at it under a microscope. Well, first off, I got to tell you, it actually looks like my hair. I know right off, well, no animals got hair like this here, but let's make sure. The medulla, which is the very inner piece of the hair, is black. It is solid black. There is no other color and no other breaks in it. It is solid black. Uh, The cuticle, which is the outside of the hair, it looks like fish scales. So they're on top of each other. And this hair is non-porous. It's so tight together like this. It's practically waterproof. I mean, which makes it great for for weather like this. It'll keep them warm. The water will come off of them, but it'll cause a lot of heat problems, like in in the summer. And we've heard so many times that when it gets really hot, the Bigfoots take it off to the lake or a cave to cool down, and we'll see them, you know, up up to up to their hips in water in. Hot weather like that. Um, and a woman from Texas, yeah, she's like, when it gets hot here, there's no Bigfoot signs. They disappear. They're gone. And of course, you know, they'll, they'll wallow in the mud like cattle and pigs do to cool down. And when you get a good look at the hair, you see why. I mean, the hair shaft is composed of, of different colors. It's black, charcoal black, black, there's brown, and there's a like a reddish tint to it. I mean, that's like awesome camouflage.
2: Did did you get this hair sample in Ontario or in the U.S.? I got it in the U.S. Okay. Was it caught on a fence or a tree or? It was
0: in tree in sap. Okay. It was probably scratching like a bear does. I compared this hair sample to every known animal in that area. I even, I'm even looking at well boars. I mean, it was how? Let me see. It was about found about five feet off the ground. I'm looking at big cats. There is nothing. And the closest I can find to this here is ape.
2: So what do you really think Bigfoot is? Do you think it's it's an undiscovered ape species? Do you think there's something paranormal about it? Could he be from a different uh, dimension? Could he be from uh, a different... Yeah, I
0: absolutely believe that they are a great ape. But okay. through my other research, it does make me wonder. I, I've always believed, even as a kid seeing one, I believe with no doubt that they're in our evolutionary history. So yeah, I believe he's a missing link.
1: What do you uh, What do you think they eat? Is it berries? Is it humans? Well, we know that they can get terribly aggressive and
0: uh, will, you know, and probably have attacked people. But I believe that they're also smart enough to know that if you go around attacking people, you're going to get a whole posse in there after you. Yeah, I actually have... Uh, some feces, that's probably Bigfoot feces, and I'm looking at it right now, and she'll find that acorns. It's full of acorns, and uh, it's probably been stealing cattle feed because there's cereal grains in it. I'm still going over it, through it. Well, it, you know, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I'm glad you're doing and it.
0: <laughs> the, oh, yeah, and, and there is meat in this, excuse me, identifying what protein it is. Uh, do I think that they will catch a deer and eat it? Probably. If they can, they will. That's that's protein. And uh, especially for the ones up here who, who need that protein to get through the harsher winters, especially, you know, at West. Uh, now that they've been documented footprints going to uh, deer carcasses. And uh, so, yeah, it's absolutely possible. Uh, now in Nantahala, up in Franklin, North Carolina, we came across a uh, raccoon with its neck that looked like a corkscrew. And I have no doubt a Bigfoot did that, because even big, big people, unless they're like Andre the Giant, cannot just take and twist a raccoon's head around like that. And like everything that I'm I'm saying is documented. I I can't tell you about the species. Uh, I didn't find it. A friend of mine found it. I don't want to mention a name until I have his permission. It's like eight inches long and about four inches around in diameter. I did show this picture to my doctor, and she's like, "Yeah, that's not human poop." <laughs> um, I'm to think of that because that guy would be walking funny if if one of us did that.
2: <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm mentioning that that I've, I'm looking at the feces under a microscope, so I've gotten some pretty good jokes. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, discuss with us? Oh, well, I'd like to talk about the the hair that I found, found and, and and I'm actually floored by this now. Um, I've lost count of how many labs here in in Canada that I've called to look at this hair. Uh, Some of the labs, they they just don't do the testing I need, so fair enough. The one tech that does do animals, uh, but it's just pets and dogs and cats and stuff, she was really interested, but her lab didn't do that. So then I uh, I I called the people that the ministry of forestry uses here, And I got talking to him, and he he was nice at first. And he says, well, the problem with Bigfoot hairs and samples is you have nothing to compare it to. Okay, well, I know that. But, you know, it's got to start somewhere. I said, well, if it comes back as unidentified or unknown species, that's a start. We have something to work with. And he just went, "Uh, yeah, no, we're not going to touch that. you got to be kidding me. Because... First off, what does it matter if I'm the one paying for it? And secondly, okay, how are you going to get a sample if you won't identify the sample to compare it to other samples? Right. So I was absolutely floored by this. And and now I have
2: options, but I'm not. You've you've never had any visits from the men in black,
0: uh, (laughs)
2: you know, in regards to your samples or anything yet?
0: No, but but I tell you something that that did happen. uh, And this is when I was about 11 years old. And it, it has nothing to do with cryptozoology, just some just some weird stuff that was going on that has to do with UFOs. A family member had people come to her house pretending to be uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. all dressed in black with with hats on, and she said they they said some pretty strange things that weren't Jehovah Witness like and she didn't go into details about No, I'm sorry, it wasn't Jehovah's Witness. I apologize, it was Mormons. And at that time, we didn't have Mormons in the area. And she said that uh, they were very light-skinned, very pale, both had blue eyes. So we got to talking about that there. And we've always been suspicious about that because they never did come again. She was asking questions about, you know, us, the rest of us kids and our parents and things like that. And they were writing it down and... And I'm like, yeah, that's that's very odd. Now, during that time, I mean, there was a lot of UFO activity in the area, and it wasn't just my family seeing strange things cuz we really live way out in the boondocks. Right. It was the neighbors and the local villagers were seeing some strange things with the lights and the black vans, things like this, just things out of place.
1: Uh, any other experiences with UFOs
0: at all? Well, I used to do UFO research when I was younger. Mm-hmm. In the early 90s, what I investigated was um, uh, abductees and it wasn't just cattle mutilation, but human mutilation, because you rarely hear about that at all.
1: That's right. No, no kidding.
0: Would, would have the, the same uh, injuries as the cattle looking missing parts and looking like they've been dropped from a great distance.
2: Now, Robin, we've, we've covered the little people. We've covered Bigfoot. We've covered some UFO stuff. Now, you, know, you, you got to have a ghost story.
0: Oh, something recent that's actually happened is uh, my friend and I, was you know, my, my administrator on my Facebook page. We've been friends since we were kids. And uh, we went to a funeral uh, of a very dear old pastor of ours. He was just awesome. Excuse me, Reverend. He was awesome. I could talk to him about Bigfoot and ghosts all day. And he absolutely accepted it. And, and he had passed away. And we went to his wake. And just as Paul and I were getting going to leave, we saw flashing lights. And it looked like somebody was clicking the light switch on and off really fast, almost like Christmas lights. And, she's, and this is just me just being used to this. And she's like, look at that. Well, that's really weird. Why is that light doing that? And, I, and of course, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just a sword or something. So we go into that room. And <laughs> the only light that was in that room was in the ceiling. And it wasn't flickering, but this was like a bunch of little lights, like Christmas lights flickering. And I'm like, oh, he wanted to see us to tell us goodbye.
2: Yeah, it's almost like that was his way of uh, sending you a message, right?
0: Yes, it was. Yeah, and it was actually very nice because the funeral or the wake was very uplifting and happy, which kind of goes with the type of person that he was. Right. So, yeah, it, it was very nice to see that.
1: Robin, can you tell us uh, uh, where people can find you on Facebook or social media, websites?
0: Uh, Yeah, um, I have a Facebook page. It's called Strange Realms. Uh, My blog is also called Strange Realms. You'll find out a whole bunch of uh, things on little people there and some other cryptids. And I'll be getting back to work on that soon. I've just been boots to the ground with investigating for quite a while and then you can find me on YouTube as well, and you can follow us in uh, uh, some of my research. And I can teach you some animal tracking uh, techniques to use. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's called Strange Realms as well. And you can see uh, I've just put a video up a couple days ago, uh, and that has to do with little people as well. When we were up in Pink Beds, who had uh, in North Carolina, it's called Pink Beds because there's it blooms pink flowers and it's just covered. And you know we got some, got a gift up there, and this is the second time this has happened to us. It was a little gold earring butterfly that was placed on the log for us to see. And so we left a quarter in return, and you could also see that. You could watch me go squatching and track a Bigfoot in Algonquin Park, which was very exciting. I really wanted to see one of those guys, and I, I will be heading back to Algonquin Park if not this year, next year, those guys are over eight feet tall. Their face is different. They got long hair and they're shaggy. And uh, uh, I've gotten a couple stories when I was there about them pulling whole trees out of the ground and putting them across the road so the cottagers can't get in.
2: Robin, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank to have you so much
0: you. for having me.
2: We'll definitely have to have you back on because I'm sure you, well, I know just by talking to you on Facebook, you've got a million and one stories. Thanks very much. Once again, it was Strange Realms on Facebook, YouTube, and your blog, right?
0: Strangerealms.net.
2: All right. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal.
0: To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at
1: phantomfaction@outlook.com. At